Today on the Leadership to Wealth podcast, we have a TikTok sensation and we get to talk about how to build a TikTok following as well as social justice issues, being a bouncer and how to living your best life. Today's show, Namu Williams. All right, guys, welcome to the Leadership to Wealth podcast and my guest today, Namu Williams. Namu, how are you doing? Glad to have you in the house. Glad to be here, Saucy Neil. Thanks for inviting me. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. I, I So we we came across one another. We ran across one another um, on TikTok. And uh, I'll, I'll tell you, just to kick it off, how I saw your TikTok was uh, you were commenting on uh, bouncers and you were commenting on, uh, fight scenarios. And I, and I started going, Oh, this is hilarious. This guy actually knows what he's talking about here. Um, I've done a little bit of bouncing in my life, but, but give us a little bit of background into why you were commenting on, uh, being a bouncer and, and bouncing. Well, predominantly because I was a bouncer for such a long time. I was a bouncer in nightclubs for about 13 years. Um, uh, you know, in that transition from basic nightclub security all the way up to head of security, which is just the person who manages the bouncers. It's, you know, it sounds fancy and pretentious, but it's really just a pay grade above. But um, it, I have a ton of experience. I've worked in clubs that will hold 200 people all the way up to, you know, 2,500 people. So um, I just, you know, I saw quite a few fighting videos on TikTok, as you will see all over the internet, people for some reason are, you know, attracted to violence. But um, I saw a lot of misinformation. I saw a lot of tough guys acting tough, but clearly not knowing what they were talking about. So I just started correcting some things that I saw or using my own experience to speak to certain questions that people had, and it kind of blew up. I mean, I, I speak mostly about social justice issues and political things on my TikTok, but surprisingly, the bouncer talk side of things is pretty popular. Yeah. Well, everyone's got an opinion on it, right? And Fact. everyone's been there. And I've I've seen so many. Uh, I was going through some of the comments and it is hilarious. The some of the things that people will say to you, ah, oh, you don't know what you're talking about. Right. And uh, and so one of the, the video in particular, guys, if you're if you're checking this out, you want to go check out Namu Williams page and see this video. He's taught he's talking about this bouncer that starts taking off his jacket. And, oh, yeah. you, and you said you said two things to take note of. What are those two things that you need to be aware of when you see uh, a guy doing something like that? One is that he's pretty confident in his ability. And if he's calm like that, then that's when you really have to worry about things. When somebody is clearly assessing the situation and deciding that you're not a, an immediate threat and they have time to take their jacket off, then that's that's something to pay attention to. And the other issue is, is that anybody with experience knows that a loose jacket, um, something with long sleeves can be used against you in a fight, you know. Uh, so especially people who study jujitsu or, you know, ground grappling, judo, things like that, they understand that the gi is a very useful tool when fighting somebody else. And that translates to regular clothing as well. Yes, yes, absolutely. Um, I've been fortunate enough to be able to do uh, some Brazilian Jiu Jitsu and uh, you see a jacket and uh, it's it's a beautiful thing to see, right? <laughs> yes, you just want to grab. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, 
when, when uh-huh. a couple a couple of moves and the guy's done but um i i do remember and and i i'd love to throw this at you i i remember back in the day and from since we're gonna let, let's just get into a little bit of this fun uh back in the day you know i was a punk on the streets and uh, in a gang and i remember that you know i i remember taking my jacket off and i this one time i'm getting ready to fight this guy that um you know if he ever watched this he'll laugh at it but this guy should have crushed me because he was towering over me easily had a hundred pounds on me we got out to the parking lot we tossed our jackets off and uh getting ready to go and and i go ahead and put my hands into my jeans into my pockets and then i realize uh oh i'm not going to be able to get my hands out of the pocket so i take them and i put them behind my head now most people are going to think this is the dumbest thing ever but it was there there was first of all the an air of cockiness yeah i i was really cocky but the other side of it is i was actually getting into uh, a prepared stance i was bringing my hands up now you know most people if your hands come out in front of you you know they're ready i put my hands up here and uh this guy was looking at me going what perplexed what is this guy doing <laughs> What are you going to fight? I'm like, yeah, let's go. <laughs> and it was the funniest thing ever to see a guy six foot four, 250 pounds. Uh, like I said, at the time, he had a good hundred pounds on me. I was I was a thin guy back then. And uh, and he ended up walking away because it was well, so, you, you could see he was confused. And what I got from that, you tell me, you give me your assessment. What I got from that was he he was like. He was not used to anyone ever standing up to him uh, that was that small that he got confused. There are three things in that scenario that I would think potentially. The first being, first being, okay, there's, well, actually, let me take it a step back. Anytime you're in a fight, fights happen generally the same way almost every time. There's aggression on both sides uh, generally. They bark a little bit, the general poses come up, and then some fight happens. So if there's any deviation from that, then that's that gives people pause. They're like, what's happening here? So anything out of the normal, anything out of the ordinary is going to give somebody pause most of the time. So you putting your hands up like this probably was enough for him to be like, huh. Now, two responses to that. The first response could be like, this guy knows something that I don't know. Maybe he's a martial artist. He's got a lot of experience, so I'm going to back off. The, but the second could also be this guy doesn't know anything about fighting, so I don't want to beat his ass. I'm much bigger than him. He's clearly not not a fighter, so I'm going to walk away. Not to say that that's what happened. I don't want to take away from you know your intimidation factor, but you know it could happen more than one way in yeah. in those scenarios. And the third thing is, um, there are a lot. There's a lot of posturing, obviously, in fights. And um, size differences sometimes come into play. And, uh, I mean, I've been in plenty of situations, as you may have seen in some other videos, where I've been beaten up by guys smaller than me, whether it's in practice or in an actual fight, um, and and vice versa. I've had good success against guys larger than me. Um, but the reality is, is that every fight environment, though similar in some circumstances, is wildly different because neither of you generally know the other person's skill set or experience. And that's why I almost always recommend to not fight. I mean, realistically, the bottom line is 
because of all those unknowns, you're taking such a big risk when you get into a, even somebody who's way smaller than you could have a knife or a gun. So, you know, my bottom line is the advice is to never fight. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's a great point. And, and it's interesting because back then, you know, and it's, it's still pretty much true today is I knew that most guys, especially the big guys, they always did one thing. They did the big the haymaker, haymaker, right? Right. So it's like, you know, one Mississippi, two Mississippi, <laughs> three Mississippi. <laughs> I can't. Well, a big, advantage, a big advantage of you actually having your hands up here already is that you're already got a little bit of protection here for anything that comes in. Although, you know, you're limiting yourself in terms of mobility. But the other right. thing about the haymaker is with big guys is that, and a lot of people don't get this, but if you're a really big guy, if you're larger than average, you probably didn't fight much growing up. Unless you were the fighting type and you really enjoyed yeah. fighting, you right. avoided fights because everybody was intimidated. You know, yeah. a lot that's of times right. they're very inexperienced. And when you see those big haymakers, that's pretty much the only thing they've got. It's the one arm, one weapon in their arsenal. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I, I happen to know that he was intimidated only because I ended up running into him another time and he was oh gosh, <laughs> good 50 feet away. He looked up, saw me and walked the other direction. <laughs> it was the right. funniest thing, but um, you know, anyways, if you're watching this, uh, you know who you are. Sorry, man. Uh, it's been a lot of years. Didn't mean he was young. Me. Yeah. <laughs> pretty young. But um, you, you know, one thing, um, and I'd like to say that I'm a bit of a student of fighting and one of the things I did know back then and, continue to know now is that nine times out of 10, if I saw a guy that had a weapon, I knew I was going to win the fight. That that's the interesting. I knew I was going to win the fight because his nine times out of 10, his security was now going to be in the weapon. Right. Um, I loved seeing baseball bats. I loved <clears throat> seeing baseball bats um, because guys now think they're superhuman and <clears throat> You know, you just have to know a little bit. Now, now, interestingly, and I think this is exactly what you're just saying, is that anyone that actually knows how to fight doesn't want to. Right. Because you know that in a fight, anything can happen, and it's usually going to be catastrophic. So, uh, you know. With some exceptions, of course. Never have to. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. There, there's always the kind of person who's just – a scrapper they're just or maybe they grew up fighting and it's just in their nature and so it's you know personality or they've got a terrible home life and they get beat on at home and i hate to say that but that is a precursor to a lot of those kind of personality changes as well you know you have a tough home life or you grow up poor and you're constantly scrapping to survive yeah. it makes it a lot easier for you to get into that mode well, let me ask you this because this is kind of curious I w i've always found this interesting I'm going to say back then I got the gray hairs. You got some gray hairs to be able to say it. So back then though, when you got into one of those kind of scraps, even if the guy beat you, you actually became somewhat of friends or there was now respect. A lot of the time. Team. Right. It, it was the weirdest thing. Like some of the guys that I ended up fighting, we ended up becoming friends. Now, not when I was in the street gang, but you know, sure. otherwise uh, you got into a fight. That guy ended up becoming your friend. What? I don't think that that is the case anymore. You know, it's hard for me to, to speak to that because, um, you know, I'm teaching my son uh, two major rules when it comes to fighting. Don't, yeah. 
do anything and everything you can to walk away. But the minute they touch you, hurt them badly, put them on the ground and end the fight immediately. And, right. and, and damn the consequences. You know, the, a lot of schools these days, it's interesting that you bring this up because it's very pertinent to school age children. A lot of schools are zero tolerance policies, which is where regardless of who was at fault, who instigated or who was the aggressor, both children get in trouble. And I fully disagree with this. I think it takes the responsibility away from the grownups uh, to determine you know, fault and responsibility. And I think it also teaches children that um, draconian response is the best way to, to deal with these things. But at the same time, I told my son, you know, he's 11 right now. So he's, he's not really in the fighting age yet, but he's coming into junior high. So he might have to deal with it. But I told him, I said, I'll never judge you. I will never, you'll never get in trouble for defending yourself, but you will get in huge trouble for being the aggressor, yeah. you know, So um, I think we're in a society now, to answer your question, where, um, and this ties in with neighborliness in general. We used to be at a point 30, 40, 50 years ago where we knew most of the neighbors close to us, you know, around our our block generally, um, sometimes a little further away. These days, for example, I live in a condo complex with 30 homes and I know maybe two or three people and I'm an outgoing, gregarious person. You know, I make it a point of going out and meeting people and introducing myself. And I still, you know, it's a, a very small number of people. And related to that, I think you're right that um, children and young adults um, both, I don't think they have the connection community wise to, to foster that post fight friendship. Before we all lived close enough and we knew enough mutual people, you know, and now that doesn't exist anymore. Right, right. Yeah, that's a good point. Because nine times out of 10, you're going to see that person who knows how many times <laughs> over again. Yeah, over and over again. Area, right. They went to the school you went to, whatever, right? You, you're you going to run into them over again. Yeah, that's a good point, actually. Um, yeah, I and that's interesting because I've I very much taught my kids the same thing. And uh, my I remember my wife going, what are you teaching them? I said, <laughs> they are, if... If it comes to it, I want them to protect themselves and we'll deal with the consequences. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. And, uh, and you know, I, uh, I've tried to teach them and put them into it enough times so that they're comfortable with being able to use less force. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I E a little, uh, <laughs> a little bit of cut off the oxygen. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, that's, that's an interesting point too, because there are a lot of parents out there who encourage their, their children to be definitive in their in their defense the same way that I do. But at the same time, they don't teach their children restraint. They don't teach their children limits. And they, so a lot of these kids, I, I worry, uh, you know, the 13 to 14 year old kids who just don't have the life experience. I see a lot of vi- um, videos of parents letting their kids fight and those children could seriously, seriously hurt somebody just because they don't understand where to stop, you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, okay. This is going to sound crazy. I, when my kids were, um, especially my boys when they were young, but even I've got four kids and my, Mm. my girls, I taught them, uh, basics, how to fight off of their back. You know, if you've Mm -hmm. got, uh, if you've got an assailant on top of you, someone's trying to rape you, that kind of stuff, you want to be able to fight off your back. Uh, I taught the boys, you know, and, and when we would, I wanted them to fight when they were young. Like I would, you know, my wife's like, they're, they're fighting. I'm like, let them fight. Let them get it other. out. 
Let yeah. him do it so that it's not the first time that they have to deal with it out on the street. Let what is what is the Mike Tyson quote? Everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the face. <laughs> and that's the problem because you 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 if you don't have the experience, like I, you know, harken back to the big guy thing. If you're not used to being hit or tackled or leg swept or any of that stuff, then you don't know how to react to it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And now now I'm, my boys are both teenagers, so I've now got a little bit of a different deal because, uh, you know, the testosterone has kicked in and right. and now they've got some skills on top of that. So it's like, you know, hey, stop it. Stop right. it. You know, um, and you can see when the <laughs> when the light bulb is not on, but the testosterone bulb is it's going, going full steam. Yeah. <laughs> so that's hilarious. But um <laughs> But so this is interesting. And because, uh, you know, when we get into talking about uh, uh when we get into talking about, uh, you know, being a bouncer and stuff like that, you you would think that the bouncers always have to be the big guys. Um, but oh, yeah. if you're but if you, you know, you're not the I saw this one TikTok you've got there where, uh, you know, you go stand in a doorway and uh, you're showing you're showing your height uh, versus <laughs> your size. Right. And uh, but the reality is, is that you were able to still be a bouncer. How is it that you could manage those situations whilst probably oftentimes being the smaller guy? In general, the smallest guy on my squad almost all the time. And, you know, let's clarify small is subjective, size is subjective, depending on what you're talking about. And, you know, at six feet tall and 250 pounds, I'm not small but I'm not bouncer big. Right. right. And, um, and the reality is, is that I went into bouncing at 18 years old, um, from a bar back position. So, our, you know, I got hired to be a bar back and, um, I kept jumping in to help at the fights whenever something would happen. And the owner was like, Hey, do you want to do security? One of these nights on our slow nights? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Paid, I think $10 a night more. <laughs> <laughs> than bar backing, but way better because I don't have to constantly pick up glasses. Um, but the reality is um, so much more goes into being a great bouncer than just size and even just fighting ability, uh, perception, you know, being observant, being good at spotting trouble spots, you know, becoming a student of personality and, and communication more than just a big intimidating presence. If you're standing in a dark room with flashing lights and there are two, 300 people dancing and drinking and interacting, you've got to be very good at scanning quickly and repeatedly and, and recognizing instantly potential trouble. And I was very good at that way better than the average bouncer, I would say. And, and most importantly in the growth of my career as a bouncer, I never tried to be a fighter. I wasn't there to beat people's asses like a lot of bouncers are. I hate to say this. A lot of bouncers who just like to be in the fights. And related, we can talk about this more later, but there are quite a few bouncers who become bouncers because they're too chicken shit to fight by themselves, right? Like out in the street, they won't get into fights. But in a bouncing scenario where they have other guys to back them up, it's a much safer environment. So they feel comfortable being the tough guy, being the aggressor. Right. Yeah. So, but that's not something I wanted to do, but yeah. when you, when you're in that environment, you have to be um, fast to respond. You have to be friendly. You have to be polite, but you also have to know when to flip the switch. Um, and there are definite lines in the sand when, you know, when, a, when somebody is 
mouthing off. I'm trying not to curse. I'm so <laughs> I'm such a bad cursor. But uh, you know, when when somebody's mouthing off to you and it's clear they're the aggressor, and you've given them plenty of chances, then there comes a time when you just have to put hands on. You know, you pick them up, you carry them outside, and if they swing, they swing. It's just the way it is, right? Yeah. But so there, there's. My goal as a bouncer was just to be the guy who was the cohesion in the unit, making right. sure everybody had what they needed. That's how I grew into being a head of security, too, because I right. just became very adept at, um, you know, helping the other bouncers have a, a good experience. Because quite a few people follow me who want to learn about becoming a bouncer, who want to get into bouncing. So here is an important tip. Um, you know, your size is, 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 does have an effect on your ability. Um, and but there can be smaller bouncers, there can be larger bouncers. Um, but if you really want to be great as a bouncer, you want to be good at your job and you want to command the highest amount of money doing what you do, then become a people person. Learn how to read people, learn how to um, engage with people in a friendly, professional way up until you have to be, you know, um, yeah. not any number of yeah aggressors. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, well, I'll tell you something funny uh, along those lines is that. Um, I've always been the smaller guy. Um, and, uh, one of the advantages of being, uh, a late bloomer and being a small guy was I had to learn how to see trouble before it got to me. Right. You know, like I remember in grade nine when they, when they used to do, uh, what do you call it? Um, uh, like frosh week and, you know, mm, yeah. they would, hazing uh, week. Hazing. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. And they were doing, they were doing hazing and, I would be looking, I was like, okay, this is where all the minor niners are walking. We're all going down this hallway. <laughs> right. And the football guys, they'd, they'd come, they'd go into their stance and, you know, and then soon as a, a part and boom, they'd come and they'd yep. do stuff like that. Well, that was I've, stuff that happened back in those days, right? <laughs> yeah. I, I actually avoided being hazed uh, sophomore and junior year. Uh, and it wasn't until my late junior year that they finally caught up with me. Like I avoided all the jocks, you know, who were bad about that. I even, I would go to band practice cause I was a band nerd and uh, I would walk. And you went to band camp? camp? Oh, heck yeah. No <laughs> foods involved though. Yeah, okay. <laughs> but, unfortunately, maybe. Uh, but you know, I would walk a mile and a half out of my way through a small forest to get to the stadium for practice uh, because our stadium was off campus. And they still found me like they these guys did research and talked to friends. Hey, where's he? Where's he hang out? Where does he go? And then they caught me in the middle of the forest. But, you know, presence of mind, being able to recognize trouble. The minute I saw somebody on the pathway ahead of me in a place where nobody ever walks, even at 17, I understood that something was going to happen. And I carried a can of hairspray with a lighter <laughs> and I would just light it on fire and try to burn <laughs> and then run back. Oh, yeah. They didn't even understand that, like, it wouldn't do anything but singe their hair. But, you know, they don't know better. They're teenagers. <laughs> you are watching the Leadership to Wealth podcast <laughs> with Namu Williams. And <laughs> we're talking about how to defend yourself with a can of hairspray and a lighter um, from bigger <laughs> assailants. <laughs> but only in high right. school. I don't know that would work yeah. as an adult. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm willing to bet it would still work. But, um, <laughs> you know, it's uh, but it, it is funny and interesting that when you when you you come up that way, you do tend to have, you know, a third eye. You know, you start right. to be able to sense those things. And one of the things I found that 
uh, when I did do, I, I was only a bouncer for three, four years. And for those three, four years that I was doing it, and I only got called in at certain times for right. the eth- for the ethnic parties. Um, so <laughs> when, Token when bouncer. I got, yeah, that's right. Um, actually, I didn't want to do the bouncing normally because you actually made more money. Uh, On the special the events. Or, 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 you know, tips. Oh, right. Tips, I was like, forget the forget the bouncing. I wanted the money. Oh, so, bartenders made way better money than bouncers. I, Absolutely. Right. And you and you got to pick up the girls. But anyways, um, well, I got to pick up the girls. But yes, you were a special bouncer. But (laughs) one of the things that I found was that um, I I could you could actually see something occurring before it occurred. Right. Right. If you get that sense. And so one of the things that uh, I found that I was able to do and you could speak to this was, I, you know, you got the lights going off and everything, but you can go something's going on over there and right. you can you can just say hey can you go check on those guys make sure that everything's okay over there and sometimes yeah. it's as simple as just walking by how's everybody doing you know oh yeah okay great and everything calms down and it never turns into anything right i i actually looked at that as being the win rather than you know how t- the wind being tossing the guy out the out the door convince yourself as a bouncer to be the guy who's who prevents the fight rather than the guy who ends the fight you know for so long that's why so many bouncers have such a bad reputation because they want to wade in and swing they want to throw blows you know they want elbows to the face but you know and there's a place for that in certain bars where they don't care about you know um professionalism where they don't you know laws don't really matter to them you know that's you're gonna have to be that kind of bouncer but in general, in most establishments, especially upscale establishments, um, your best skill set inside the bar is observation, right? And just like you were talking about, like you you can sense a change. If you've done it long enough, you have the right uh, skill sets. You can sense a change in the atmosphere as a whole. A lot of times, talking levels will change. Volume levels will change. Um, sometimes you'll just hear... It could be as obvious as a louder voice, right? But it can also be a hushed tone, right? Sometimes the air goes out of the room right before a fight happens. Sometimes um, you you get indicators throughout the night of certain people that you need to pay more attention to. Uh, and it, I hate to say this. This is one of the worst things about nightclubs. For women, um, women have it so bad in the nightclub environment because guys will grab asses. They will touch yeah. inappropriately. They'll just harass, you know, Hey baby, come talk to me, grab their arms, you know? Um, but if you have a, a woman who comes up to you more than once to tell you about somebody, first of all, my suggestion as a professional is the first time a woman comes up to you and says, somebody's bothering me. You go up to that person and you say, Hey, we had a complaint about you. I'm not going to tell you who it was. But um, I'm happy to have you here. All you have to do is keep your hands to yourself or whatever it is related to it. Now, if you witness it happen yourself, especially depending on the variation of the, the, you know, the egregiousness of what the person did was, you should eject that person. But a lot of times bouncers are told by owners, and this is a whole separate story, keep them in. You know, you can't they don't want a reputation of kicking too many people out because exactly you can't sell them alcohol. Right. And, uh, and yeah. so when you're listening for those cues, you're looking at body language, you're you know paying attention to how many people are talking about which people. Um, 
you just become adept at recognizing those things on a subconscious level and you don't even have to physically apply those skills. They just happen. Mm-hmm. Let, let me ask you this because no, a lot of people don't like talking about this, but I'm sure you're, you're willing to put Open a in on this. Um, did you guys have the back door? Oh yeah, but it, it's, that's a, <laughs> so for those who aren't aware, the back door is generally a place where people will, where bouncers will drag people out and beat the shit out of them. Um, you know, whether you irritated the bouncer or you caused a lot of trouble in the bar or you broke something, a lot of bouncers, especially back in the day, not quite so much anymore, but back in the day, uh, and in dive bars, especially biker bars, for example, you'll get pulled out in the back and there are no cameras in the back and there are very low lights in the back and they just beat the crap out of you and then leave you on the ground. Um, so no, in my bars, in my nightclubs, never. 100% never. I'm concerned with law and legality. I'm concerned with people's rights. I'm concerned with, um, you know, appropriate response levels. And so if somebody, I don't, I don't give a, I don't care at all what you do in the club, even up to and including harassing somebody sexually, I'm still going to treat you within the letter of the law, right? I may want to beat your ass. I may want to hurt you badly because of how badly, you know, what you've done to this woman because it's completely inappropriate. Right. But, you know, I'm the boss uh, or even as a bouncer. And this is an important distinction to make, too. As a bouncer, you are the boss of yourself. You have to treat yourself like a leader. You have to, you know, a lot of guys are, they need to be led. They need to have a hierarchy. They need to have leadership above them. But a great bouncer is his own leader in addition to that taking responsibility for his own actions. So yeah, we would never do that. Um, and in fact, early on in my days of, as a head of security, when I was training up new people and trying to get a good team, a good squad build, that was an issue because a lot of guys just wanted to immediately throw blows. They wanted to swing regardless of the level of infraction. You know, right. the minute somebody acted up, these bouncers and their testosterone would just t get the better of them and they just want to wait in. So no, yes, happens, not with me though. <laughs> yeah um okay well we'll we'll leave that one the back door is the back door and um nothing good happens out there so um so I, i'm i'm really interested about what you talked about there with regards to uh leading oneself even as a mm. bouncer uh, can you say a little bit more about what that because I, I don't think that people understand that it that you need that that leadership of self, even in that environment. Yeah, well, I, I'd hazard, I, I go so far as to say that you need that leadership regardless of what job you're in. Uh, if you want to excel, if you want to progress and you want to be the best of the best, um, you need to be a leader first and self-manage. You need to be your own manager and you need to take accountability for your own actions. But in the in, in the security world, let's keep it real. You don't really go into security. You don't go into bouncing to earn money. You know, the the cap, the ceiling on that industry as a career is really low. Yeah. Um, maybe, and I would love to say, so, you know, I did a little bit of one-off security in a couple of clubs in L.A., and I was hoping that, you know, with my experience, that, of course, that they'd be much more open to paying a higher level of money. The problem is, is that bar owners and nightclub owners in general are miserly, they are very money um, stingy and they are concerned with the bottom line 
more than they are with um, creating the right environment and hiring the best staff. So, and you have a huge turnover too, a lot of times. So you'll have a lot of people who are yeah. um, low income, willing to take whatever money they can get. So they don't, they don't do, do that well, but the more managerial in your mindset, the more leadership you assign to yourself, the better you will handle yourself, the better you'll look to the owners of the establishment, the more likely you are to um, grow out of that position of just bouncer, if that's something you're looking to do. Yeah, yeah. So I'm gonna I'm gonna switch gears. Obviously, there's a ton of information there when it comes to bouncing, you know, you guys watching this, and you want to you're interested in being a bouncer, obviously reach out to uh, to Namu here. And but but let me ask this question because now because people are, you know, you've really become quite the sensation on TikTok. Surprisingly, <laughs> tell me about that. How did how did that kind of happen? How did you get onto TikTok? And then what was it that enabled you to kind of blow up? Shall we say? Hey, I'm gonna say it was 100% luck and the TikTok algorithm. First of all, um, shout out to TikTok for developing one of the best algorithms on the planet for getting people to see the things they want to see. Right? Yeah. TikTok does a fantastic job. I have a lot of complaints about TikTok, but overall, I'm happy with it as a platform, specifically because they do such a fantastic job of putting videos in front of me that I want to see. I will admit here. Um, just as an aside, that the vast majority of what I watch on TikTok is not my own type of content. I look at attractive women shaking their booty most of the time. And TikTok <laughs> knows that's what I like. So it, it fills my feed with that. TikTok, you know, keep filling his feed with uh, keep, booty shaking. Keep it up. But, um, but that was a big part of the reason why I think that I blew up. Um, I started my TikTok account a couple years ago and, you know, I had a few, a handful of friends who followed me. Um, and then I made, you know, I had a little bit of growth over a few, few months, got up to like two or 300 followers. And then I made a, a TikTok video about um, a young Latino gentleman who was um, being detained, what most of us feel like illegally by ICE, by immigration in America. Um, and his backstory was it was ridiculous. The fact that he even got picked up in the first place. He was a DACA recipient. You know, um, he was he had broken no laws prior to this point. He was a college graduate. He um, had no criminal history and he was picked up on a, a jaywalking charge. Right. He was just walking across the street. Police picked him up and they dropped the charge and then handed him over to immigration because he didn't have a current green card. Um, now his card had, in my experience, in my understanding, his card had expired. He just hadn't renewed it because Trump was in office and he was worried that he'd be deported. And then he got into the system and he was there for like two years, shoving him left and right, putting him here and there. Um, family barely had any contact about it. And I just was furious when I heard this story. And so I made this impassioned TikTok ranting about the system and basically I had my California ball cap on, and at the end of the video, I took my California ball cap on, and I put this Mako cap on, and it resonated really well with Latino TikTok. And I got maybe 20,000 followers off that video alone. Wow. And that was kind of the spike that initiated the growth. And then over the next year, 
you know, I'm up to about 105,000 followers, I think, which which to me is massive and huge. But, you know, some of the people that I follow have a million, million and a half. So, yeah, you know, the growth is it's relative as well. Yeah. 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 No, listen, that that's uh, that's amazing. I And I think what people are probably TikTok, I'm sure what you guys are uh, resonating with is that you spoke up about something. You, you spoke up I think about it was, something that touched people. But I think it was more that I spoke up about something that touched people that they don't think white guys would normally normally care about, right? right? So, oh, here's this white dude acting like he really cares, and we're not used to seeing this. This is crazy. Let me share it to my friends. And for those of you watching on TikTok, um, if you want a, a tip about growing your algorithm, you really need to engage Com, uh, conversation. You have to have communication, even if it's negative. I hate to say this, negative conversation drives growth almost more, I would think, than, than positive conversation. The two things that I've noticed the most, the most, excuse me, about my growth are when I see shares and, and comments. Those yeah. are the two strongest indicators that you'll that your video will do well. So the faster you get people talking, and the more you get them sharing. But yeah, back to the original point, um, I I speak to, to issues that matter to me, yeah. and I consider myself a global human. I care about the world. I don't just care about America. I don't just care about my family. I do care about both of those deeply. But, yeah. I, you know, I'm a citizen of, of the world, and I can't wait until we have a world government instead of just all these local warring factions, which is all we are right now. You know, right. um, so when I say these things, you know, and I rant, I think people it resonates with the fact that I say what I feel and I don't try to temper it and make it, you know, um, polished. You know, I just say how I feel and that and yeah. that really resonates with people. Yeah, well, I, I think the one of the important parts about that is that you give words to how people are feeling. Right. right. They, they're yeah. not able to express those same things that there is that pent up anger, energy, whatever. And being able to put it into words is such a powerful piece. And the reason I, I'm part of me is thinking that is because my like your content wouldn't normally come onto my feet. Your page. Right. Right. right? And mm -hmm. uh, and so it was interesting when your yours came on because it was it was completely out of the the norm and right. uh, but i think the piece was is that you were putting to words you know a, a a a tense situation but you were giving it power right like you were right. you were putting it into those terms and so it resonated with me i started following it i was like yep this guy knows what he's talking about. Yeah, <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> and he's it's taken also... out of the jacket, taken out. He's, <laughs> he's, 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 you know, <clears throat> doing right. the stretching. Yeah. You, you know, it's, it's funny too, because <laughs> it's actually good that I have a lot of people who disagree with me. You know, yeah. it's actually very good for the algorithm, for my algorithm, yeah. um, that there are a lot of people who say, you, you're full of shit. You don't know what you're talking about. Um, I welcome them, but you know, not in a friendly way. Like there are a lot of creators who are very good at dealing with the negative people in their comment threads um, yeah. in a professional, even friendly sometimes way. They're very mellow. They can handle themselves in a way that doesn't push people off too much. But I'm not like that. I grew up poor. I grew up hard and I grew up in predominantly black community. I learned the dirty dozens, the dozens, sorry, uh, 
early on, mama jokes were my thing. So my natural response is to make fun of somebody when they disagree with me. Not the best way to handle it, but to me, uh, I feel like if you come into my comment section and you're reasonable and respectful and you have a, a disagreement, hey, I'm bring it on, right? But if you come in, talk, yeah, exactly. We'll have a real discussion. Yeah. Um, but if you come in my comments section, mouthing off, you know, what's clearly or demonstrably um, false or easily disprovable, um, if you're all you're doing is spouting talking points that you heard somebody else say, if you're just sheep clown this that then i'm gonna make fun of you and i'm gonna have a good time doing it yeah yeah well let me ask this why 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 TikTok? why uh why build this following why keep talking into the space oh i'm i'm super vain i'm super into hearing my own voice i love to see my pretty face on the kid and i'm i'm not kidding i'm I, you know you think i'm joking and being facetious i really you know i've enjoyed listening to myself talk most of my life and i know that i'm not a I'm not particularly smart in the sense uh, that uh, a lot of people assign the word smart to. Um, I'm I'm smart enough, and I, this is the catchphrase on my own podcast, which I never record anymore, but uh, it's I'm smart enough to know that I'm not smart enough. But it doesn't change the fact that I'm enamored with my own opinion. You know, if I feel strongly about something, I'm going to put it out there for the world to hear. And this is interesting and related. Um, I've had Facebook since 2007. Right. And I have not ever grown my Facebook followers or my fans, my friends list larger than five or six hundred people. TikTok was my audience. TikTok was people who wanted to hear me say the things that I say. Facebook, not that not the right platform. So to you out there who, you know, you have something to say, you want to create things, you want to get your art out in the world. Even if one particular platform doesn't work, there are millions of opportunities out there and you just got to have patience, keep trying, keep putting that effort out there and you'll find the platform that works for you. TikTok's mine. Yeah. Uh, well, well, let's let's talk about that one in terms of you found a platform, you get to speak, uh, you know, your voice is out there. Uh, what about monetizing? Do you monetize it? I am mon- monetized. Yeah. So... Yeah. Uh, How does for that the, well, the originally, I don't know what the, what the requirements are now, but back when I became a creator, uh, in the creator fund, you had to have 10,000 followers. Um, you had to have a certain level of engagement consistently over time. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I met all the metrics eventually it took a while, but I'm, I hit them and then I got $0 from them for like a year. Right. Yeah. Like, so I don't know what the actual math is, but from my reading, it's something like a million views will give you 20 cents, some ridiculously tiny amount of money. So yeah. in order to make real money at TikTok, you have to consistently have multiple million view videos daily, right? And there are creators who are doing that. You know, there are yeah, huge absolutely. creators making good money, but I, I'll be transparent. Um, I've To date, I've earned $22 from TikTok that I've received. I ha- I now have about $300 in my TikTok account, but you know, you can't release it till 30 days after that pay period. So I haven't actually received that yet. So it, it, it is there. It's just you, realistically at my level with about 100,000 followers making the number of videos I make as often as I make them, you could probably make 20 or $30 a month in, in uh, income. Um, 
it's def- definitely not a work. It's not something, unless you're going to commit to it and make it your whole job, your entire career, and you're going to invest money and buy the right equipment and do lighting and take time to write out things and learn scripts and, and find your niche, most importantly, niche, niche, for those of us who don't know how to pronounce it correctly. Um, unless you do all of those things, then it's definitely not worthwhile to, you know, to be a TikTok creator and the creator fund. YouTube pays way better. Way, they have a much better system. Now, if TikTok ever figures out a way to put ads in front of my content where the ad purchasers can pay me, it'll probably significantly improve. But I doubt that they'll ever do that. Interesting. Um, okay, so that that's that. So it's interesting. I actually um, I talk to a lot of people about the benefits of social media, TikTok, this kind of stuff. And one of the things now for me, being in my industry, I'm in real estate, I'm a real estate investor, lending, stuff like that. You guys call it hard money lending. So we do, <laughs> I do stuff like that. And, um, and one of the things that I've found, because I, I don't even have, I'm not even at 10,000 followers on TikTok. But what I've found is that I can actually monetize in a completely different way. I don't actually have to charge or make money from that. But by putting information out there, by putting knowledge mm. and experience out there, then people are able to engage they're able to give me a call say hey i want to learn more about this i want to invest i want to you know uh, i'm looking to borrow money all of these kind of things and i'm able to kind of monetize it in uh let's completely different let's speak to that because that's those are two different types of creators you have the creator who and i you're a perfect example of how i try to encourage a lot of my small business friends I encourage them to get on TikTok. I find your niche in your industry and then drill down into that submarket. Because exactly like you were saying, what you're not trying to earn money from TikTok, you're trying to earn you know subsequent revenue from people who find you through TikTok. Uh, and real estate seems to be a very effective uh, path for a lot of people. I'll tell you, it was it was actually completely by accident. Um I didn't have much of a social media presence a couple of years ago. And then uh, I, I started really moving forward in 2020 right? and just pandemic. before the pandemic. Right. And one of the things that came out of the pandemic was people didn't know what to do. So they were asking some questions on social media. So I started answering questions on, on social, social media, media right? right on TikTok, and boom it started blowing up and I was like, Oh, people have a whole lot of questions. Let me just answer these questions here and people can get the information, you, you know, get to know a little bit about the stimulus and the, mm-hmm. the, uh, the, how to get your check and <laughs> just simple stuff, right. Start putting it out there. And, uh, and lo and behold, people really appreciated that information, that knowledge. I didn't know at that time, that what it would turn into, I didn't realize. And listen, if you've got, uh, you know, small business owners, stuff like that, that uh, are interested in that, listen, let's, we'll do a webinar. I can talk to them about how, um, how they can actually monetize through that because. Absolutely. You know, quite honestly, it, and we don't need to charge anything. We'll, we'll do it for those guys for free. And um, I can share how with just a small group of people, and just doing a little bit, you don't, there's nothing special. Look at me. 
There's nothing special. I don't got any powder on my face. Wait, no you're respect. beautiful. What are you talking about, Neil? Beautiful how you are, right? That's right. right. All my all my curves and all my imperfections, right? <laughs> Thank you, John Legend. Um, you know, so it's uh, but being able to be out there, give quality uh, information, and being able to provide that stuff, you're able to really use it in another way. But I I saw your page and I thought this is really man. Look at this guy. He's getting to talk and he's blowing up. I, I wonder what he's doing with it. And, and it's interesting. Your story is interesting. Yeah, go ahead. Well, thank you. But it, it's basically, that's the second type of creator is a creator who isn't, doesn't have a product to market, right? I'm the product, the, what my opinion is the product. Um, and in and, and that sense, it's difficult to monetize me without creating a podcast, without, you know, Right. turning it into an, an actual, you know, an endeavor. But, you know, what we do, and it's something I haven't done yet, but I plan on doing eventually, is creators like me will partner with um, outside businesses who will pay you to place, uh, you know, a, a mention, for example. Mm. Um, it's difficult for me specifically, though, because I am incendiary. I am you know, unvarnished and truthful in a way that makes it difficult for advertisers to want to spend that money, you know? Yeah. So I don't see that being a large um, monetized option for me, but it still exists, you know? So ultimately if you're a small business or you're a niche creator and you can drive traffic from TikTok to your actual business, that's one way. Another way is to get the advertisements, um, the advertisers to pay you to mention them, uh, right. And then to do sponsored posts, you know, sponsored by. And then the third way is just to have TikTok pay you, which I'm fine with for now. You know, yeah, I earn money yeah. through photography, so I'm not too worried about TikTok. Oh, tell us a little bit about that, man. We we didn't even hear about that. Tell us a little oh. bit about your photography. Well, um, I'm a nude photographer, and I no, I'm just kidding. I do do <laughs> some nude photography, but that's not my business. <laughs> we'll sign you up. I'm actually starting to do what they call dudeoir you know, male boudoir sessions. So that's apparently a popular thing these days. Uh, no, I predominantly shoot. Um, oh, you're getting in your fighting. You want to fight I, me? Is that what it is? The, I already got the pose. <laughs> <laughs> You've got some experience doing it. Uh, so basically I shoot people, I shoot events, I shoot, you know, family portraits and I do a handful of weddings every year. Um, but it's, it's, that was actually post bouncer. It wasn't too much of a transition from there to photographer. And I, I started becoming a photographer during my bouncing years. So. Wow. Okay. So, so you're out there shooting, uh, weddings and, uh, and well, originally, originally I was funnily enough. I, are you familiar with the import car show scene? I don't know if you guys have that out in Canada. Are you, how about the movie fast and the furious? Yeah, yeah. Fast and yeah. Furious. Yeah. So yeah. when that industry first jumped off in the 90s, uh, I had a website that was for car show models. Most of my friends took pictures of the cars at car shows, and I took pictures of the pretty girls, right? Yes. Okay. And I'm eventually, where this is going. Right, yeah. But eventually, the models were like, hey, you know, can you take pictures of my family? And I'm like, sure. And then somebody offered to pay me to take pictures of their family. And then it just spiraled from there, you know, snowballed rather. So it uh, it just developed from a, a hobby, taking pictures of pretty girls into a career. Right, right. Wow. And that's a, you know, I think that's a great point that you bring up because you didn't, you didn't go down that path. It wasn't like you were intentionally. I wasn't going intentionally down that going that way, right. 
but you started and it the path kind of made itself known and it opened you know, up for you know if for people that are watching that's an important part about leadership you know this is leadership to wealth podcast one of the things is that sometimes you just go in a direction and another door will open up in that as you're moving and uh, right. it's so much easier when you're moving in a direction than trying to you know everyone's trying to plan everything and get everything just perfect and then you know and things never happen and they can't figure it out move in that direction and you'll be surprised what right like better done than perfect 100 percent. oh my goodness that's the name of this episode uh, better done than perfect yeah absolutely, absolutely that, right? same with tiktok i mean i when i first started tiktok i obsessed about wanting to make the right tiktok to make it the correct way like and i i, I actually refused to make a lot of videos thinking oh i shouldn't make this video i don't have nice lights i don't have it's not this background's ugly i actually lived in a, a travel trailer when i first started um making tiktoks in 2020 um and so basically i finally kicked myself in the butt and said better done than perfect and i just started it doesn't matter if i'd shaved or not if i if my hair was in terrible shape if i just woken up i made those videos and then that's another important key consistency you have to make them on a regular basis you have to be consistent in your message in your tone and you'll grow from that alone eventually it's a much smaller growth and it takes much longer time but um you know there are a lot of things you can do to improve your growth even if you're not getting that viral exponentiality that you do with that one video you know yeah and now yeah. i've got like i've got like seven or eight videos that are a million plus and I, it boggles. It, first of all, it boggles my mind to think that there are 105,000 people out there that want to hear what I have to say enough to follow me and listen on a regular basis. Um, for a kid who didn't graduate high school, who grew up with nothing, um, that's serious validation, you know. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah. then to think that there are millions of views that some of my videos have been seen by people in Russia, people in Saudi Arabia, people in Brazil. You know, in India, like that's mind boggling to me. And that's why I love platforms like this, because it can get your message in front of the right people, no matter where they are in the world. You know, I love yeah. that about TikTok. Yeah. Wow. Um, man, we have there, there's so many other roads that we could go down. And I realize that we're, <laughs> we've we've hit the time. Um, but I got to ask, OK, so what uh, what's next and how can people uh, get a hold of you? What's next for you? for you million view million followers is next that's the next obvious step right? guys get on with it start following my man namu williams uh i'm just you know to be perfectly honest i'd be happy with uh, you know just even at 105,000, i'd stay happy at that um but realistically i'd like to um parlay some kind of aspect of my tiktok success into an outside organization maybe partner with uh you know a nonprofit who's not afraid of my language who's not afraid of the you know the tough talk um where i can help them in some way whether it's to you know give half of my TikTok earnings to them or not um i or to create some kind of an external organization that i can either helm or be part of um just to raise awareness for some and also by the way part of the reason why it's so difficult for me to get even more growth is because I talk about so many various topics. 
I don't talk about just social justice. I don't talk about just politics. I don't talk about just women's rights or children's rights. Any of those things, anything that I think apply to being a good person, if it needs more light, if it needs to be amplified, that's what I do. That's my goal. So it's just growth, you know, reach more people. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Um, I've got an idea. We'll, we'll talk about it off air, but, uh, okay. okay, So that, that's great. And, um, and so if people want to get a hold of you, how do they get a hold of you? You can follow me and make interesting comments. And then if you do, I'll follow you back. Uh, and then we can talk through messages or you can just mess comment and say, Hey, I'd like to talk to you much like you did, Neil, you know, you can just say, Hey, can you message me? And, uh, you can also email me, uh, N as in Namu at Namu.love, which is my website. Um, I was going to give my phone number out, but I'm, I don't think I'm ready for all the hater phone calls that I'd be getting. Um, but you can find my phone number on the internet. I'm not hard to find. I don't, you know, I'm not the hiding type. Yeah. So that's why I don't get a lot of death threats. You know, a lot of people who speak the content that I speak, they get a ton of threats. I don't, I've gotten maybe two out of, you know, the last two years. Yeah. Um, and I think it's because they understand that I don't care. Come on, come, come see me. We'll have a chat. Yeah. You know, uh, authenticity comes across, I feel like, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, Neil, I just wanted to tell you, man, I appreciate this. Guess what? Where? This is my first ever podcast guest spot. Hey. Right here with it. Neil D'Souza. <laughs> Thank Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. It's been, a, it's been a great conversation. The time has just flown by. I agree. Um, you know, I, I can't say that. I think there was maybe one question I actually had to think of. Other than that, <laughs> uh, it, it was very engaging and I really appreciate it. And I think that there's, for people, you know, if you're watching, there are a lot of different pieces there. Um, everything from relationships to, um, you know, your own, we talked financial, we talked social media, we talked. Uh, Absolutely. And we talked about fighting and uh <laughs> It's kind of like my TikTok content. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And we even talked a little bit about booty shaking. So, you know, there, we got it, we got it all in there. So, um, you know, thank you very much. Uh, now we really appreciate it. I really appreciate you having you on. And, um, you know, guys, make sure that you go over and check them out. If you don't have TikTok, go download it and go join on <laughs> and uh, follow Namu. And uh, if you want him back, let us know. Because we want to, we want to have him back again and get to talk more life, love, and liberty uh, with Namu Williams. All right, guys, thanks a lot, Namu. Thanks for being on. We'll see Glad you guys next time on the Leadership to Wealth podcast. Take care.